please. Great to see you all this morning. We're going to begin our service with a reading from Psalm 8, and Ben Sutcliffe's going to read that for us, so thanks, Ben. Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Thanks, Ben. We're going to be thinking a little bit this morning about just how much God knows about us uh, and how remarkable that is. When we consider all these things, what are we that God's mindful of us? And yet he is. And we're going to sing our first song together. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider the works your hand has made, then sings my soul, my saviour, God to thee, how great thou art. Let's praise God together as we begin this morning. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we come together this morning and we, we recognise your greatness, the majesty of your name in all the earth, through the things that you've made and that surround us, the mighty and the very small. Lord, we recognise your care in making these things to work so well. And Lord, we, we are struck by how wonderfully we are made too. And yet also how we make a mess of things. Lord, thank you that you call us this morning, that you called us to follow you, that you sent your Son to redeem our lives. We pray that you will be close to us this morning and be with us, and that the things we do this morning will glorify your name, and will also touch our hearts and make us more like you. That is now in the name of your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Steve's going to give us the announcements. Good morning, and welcome to Jeff and to Claire, and it's also good to all these young children and young people in this room here this morning. It's good to be with you all today. Lord Jesus, thank you for being by our side as well. I have a couple of bits of care news to also just mention. Tony's mum, Joan, she's had a really tough week back in hospital and it's been quite hard on the whole family. She is making some slow progress, but we still need to pray for the family, get in touch with Tony and see how things are going. And also Marion, I think Marion was hoping to be here today, but she's obviously not. Please just continue to remember Marion in your prayers and your actions and what she's going through. 
Um, I don't have any other care news at the moment. Elaine is due to provide that next week, so if you've got anything to pass on to Elaine, please do that during the week, and I will be announcing next week too. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Uh, does anybody else have items they'd like me to include in a prayer now? Just to remain where you are, we'll, we'll pray together. Dear Lord, you are our Father, and you know, you know our every need. And you know the concerns that we have on our minds and our hearts now. Lord, we've mentioned a couple of people who, who we know who need your special care, thinking about Joan and the family. We pray that you'll be with Joan and, and help her and also be with Tony and the family. And we also pray for Marion that you'll, you'll give her strength and make her Make her feel able to come and join with us again, Lord, because we know she gets such encouragement and she's such an encouragement to us too. Lord, help us to support in whatever way we can in those situations. And Lord, too, we remember the, the huge events going on in the world at the moment that scream at us from the radio and the television. We're going to take another reading this morning. When I was looking at what I might do this morning, I referred to the, the Christelphian Bible reading planner, as I often do, and uh, I noticed that the first portion was Numbers chapter 1, which I'm not aware that we have read from the platform very often. Uh, we're not going to read all of it because there's a huge number of names and numbers in it. But Numbers chapter 1 is... Uh, the census taken by Moses and Aaron of the people. And it seemed that it's pretty rare that Numbers chapter 1 is topical. So we're going to have num parts of Numbers chapter 1, which Vicky's going to read for us. And then we're going to take some thoughts from some of the questions which are in this year's UK census uh, as a little bit of a, an encouragement and a reminder to us of what we're supposed to be doing. So Vicky's going to read Numbers chapter 1. She's going to read out which verses she's reading because... I've not inflicted all the names and numbers on it. Thanks. Numbers chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. He said, Take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name one by one. You and Aaron are to number their divisions, number by their divisions all the men in Israel, 20 years old or more, who are able to serve in the army. One man from each tribe, each the head of his family, is to help you. Verse 17 to 19. Moses and Aaron took these men whose names had been given, and they called the whole community together on the first day of the second month. The people indicated their ancestry by their clans and families, and the men 20 years old or more were listed by name, one by one, as the Lord commanded Moses. And so he counted them in the desert of Sinai. And verse 44 to 46. These were the men counted by Moses and Aaron and the 12 leaders of Israel, each one representing his family. All the Israelites, 20 years old or more, who were able to serve in Israel's army, were counted according to their families. The total number 
was 603,550. Thank you. So we've read that Moses and Aaron took the census of God's people at God's request. And the purpose of that census was to, to number the fighting men. Um, now, I don't think for a moment that God didn't know that number. God knew exactly how many people there were um, in, the, in the nation of Israel as it was to be. He also knew how many women there were and how many children, how many pets and camels and sheep and everything else about the, about the nation. So I think that the census must have been taken to make a point or to teach either Moses and Aaron or maybe all the people something. Now, the UK census, which, is gonna, uh, which you're all going to be filling in next Sunday, is something which our government does need. It needs the information, or well, arguably it needs the information, perhaps not all of it. Um, but I think that we also can learn some things for ourselves and for our spiritual lives if we read the questions in a certain way. Uh, I, I looked up the census before it arrived through my door, but I've got, I've got our copy here, so don't let me leave it behind. Um, and there's some questions in here which, if you think about them when you're filling it in with, with your spiritual life in mind, I think will help us to learn something about ourselves. So whatever you think of the fact that we've got to do a UK census, I hope when you're doing it, you might remember some of the things that we're thinking about this morning. So we're going to start with question 25. I'm not expecting you to uh, know what each question is by heart, so I'm going to, I'm going to read them out to you. Um, question 25 says, which of these qualifications do you have? And then it lists all kinds of things below there. Now, when you're filling this in next Sunday, that should be relatively straightforward, although I guess for some of us, our qualifications might be quite a long time ago. Um, We will all have very different qualifications. Some people, I guess, might be ticking no qualifications, and there'll be some people who might be ticking uh, PhD, if that's down there, which I haven't checked. We will all be ticking different things in terms of our our. Uh, worldly qualifications but in here this morning we all share the same qualification none of us are better than anybody else in God's presence we are all qualified to sit here and God has qualified us let's read from Colossians chapter 1 this is going to be the pattern by the way I'll I'll share a, a question and then we'll have a look at a scripture so Colossians chapter 1 Verse 3, and I'm going to read down to verse 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, the faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. 
For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son, sorry, of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we read there of Paul's prayer, Paul's prayer for the people, that they would live the lives that God wants them to, that they would have great endurance and patience and that they would give thanks that God has qualified them. We share one qualification to be here this morning and that qualification has been given to us by God to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. God has rescued us from darkness and he has redeemed us and he's forgiven our sin. This is the qualification that we have. It's not on the list, but it is our most important qualification. I'd also like to read some words from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. These, these words help us out with questions H12 and H13, by the way, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people, and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And, him, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God has done so much for us to qualify us, to bring us close to him by the blood of Jesus, which we remember in bread and wine this morning. And verse 19, as I said, helps us with H12 and H13. H12 is, Does your household own or rent this accommodation? 
and H13, who is your landlord? Look at verse 19, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens and members of God's household. We do not rent or lodge in God's house. We are members of his household. We are heirs to the house and co-heirs with Christ. We are his children. This is what God has done for us in sending his son. We're going to share bread and wine after we've sung Hallelujah, my father. Hallelujah, my father, for giving us your son, sending him into the world to be given up for men. That's for us, for you and me. Knowing that we would bruise him, and smite him from the earth. Hallelujah, my father. In his death is my birth. In his life is my life. We're asked to remember what Jesus did for us, what God did for us in sending Jesus through bread and wine, bringing us close to our father through that sacrifice. And Alex will lead our thanks for the bread. God of love, we thank you for this bread. We thank you that that you tell us that our lives are hidden with you in Christ. As we make up the parts of, of his body on this earth. Lord, I thank you for that, that symbol in this bread, in this one loaf that we all share that reminds us that we're all part of that same body. We're a community, we're a family. And Lord, my prayer is that as we are reminded by sharing bread together of that body, of that unity, that we might also be reminded that in Christ, your fullness, your completeness, your power your love lived as a man just as we are men and women and that in in sharing in the same baptism in sharing as part of that body that we that we choose to be part of that your love by your spirit's power might move in us might live in us so that we might be transformed by the renewing of our minds and not conform to the patterns of this world. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that this symbolises to us, that you look at us now in the same way that you looked at Jesus. You see us now as perfect. And Lord, I thank you for that. Bless us now in your service in our remembrance of this amazing victory that Christ won for us. Amen. Almighty Lord God, whose mercy never ends, we continue our thanks to you at this time, thanking you for the events which have led to our being here this morning and for the opportunity you have created whereby we can share with one another and enjoin in thanking you for the sacrifice of the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. We have read, Lord, that it was through his flesh and his blood that he abolished the law 
with its commandments and regulations. And through his blood that we now remember, that was shed on our behalf, we recognize that he introduced to us the opportunity of a newness of life and the transformation which will take place and has taken place and continues to take place Lord is beyond measure and without comparison and we we value that immensely and pray will bless it to us that we might see as we enjoy around us the season of spring which brings forth so much of a newness of life we might each morning in our own lives endeavor to develop a true newness of life in your kindness and mercy in the, in, and in the love of Jesus and so live before you adorning the office of ministers endeavoring to qualify as the owners of your house and being privileged and truly thankful to be part of that household accept our thanks for all you have done we pray bless us where we have need and forgive our sins In the name of Jesus. Amen. So we remember the qualification that we have in in God. That we are heirs and that we share as children in his household. As John mentioned in his prayer, we our lives can be transformed. For all of us, this sacrifice of Jesus happened before we were born. It was done and finished before we knew anything about it. Even before we were still sinners, as the uh, writer to the Romans says. So we can only respond to it. We can only respond. We can't seek it or try and achieve it. It's a gift from God. And as we look at a few more questions I hope that we will be challenged about our response how are our lives going how are we being transformed if we've committed our lives to God to following Christ then we should be living lives which are more like Jesus so let's have a look at a few more questions Uh, Question 14 is a good one. It's one to make us all think. Thank you, Juan. I think filling in question 14 will be a bit of a, a challenge to me. It says, Do you look after or give any help or support to family members, friends, neighbours or others? because of either long-term physical or mental health or disability or problems related to old age. Now, it only, it only concentrates on those two things, but we could maybe add a few more bullet points. Do you look after or give any help or support? And then there's a choice. There's no. There's yes, 1 to 19 hours. There's yes, 20 to 49 hours a week, this is. And there's yes, 50 or more hours a week. Well, we all know what we should be doing, don't we? Let's read from Luke chapter 10. This is the parable of the Good Samaritan, and there's a bit of a telling line in here which we need to think about when we're filling in this question and what 
this question prompts in us. I'll read from verse... Well, I, I guess we know generally what's going on. There's a, someone comes to Jesus and, and asks how he can inherit eternal life. Now, we've already talked about inheritance, being made heirs. And the man, Jesus questions the man and says, what, what do you think, basically? He says in verse 27, love, your neighbor, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, sorry, your strength and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, and so he asked, and who is my neighbor? And in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a, Samaritan, but a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So how long do we spend looking after and giving support? And who do we give it to? How many hours a week? Is it enough? Should we be doing more? Question 18. What is your main language? Okay, there's a, again, a fairly straightforward one to answer next week. Uh, you've got a choice of English, which means you go to, ch to question 20, or you can write in uh, what your main language is, including British Sign Language, which is interesting. But let's think about how we speak, what we say, what kind of words we use. Do you speak God's words? Do you use his language when you speak to other people? James chapter 1, starting at verse 19. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God requires, desires. Sorry. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. 
What is our language? Do we understand the words that we read in this book and that we hear from God? Or are we speaking our own totally different language, which does not bring about the life, the righteous life that God desires? Question 20. What is your religion? There's been some debate about this question. I don't know if you've noticed it on the news about the wording and whether it prompts you to put down Christian if you, uh, if you don't have a religion. But let's leave that aside and consider what is religion. We've just read in James chapter 1, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So what is religion? Verse 27 of the same chapter in James. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So if that's religion, if that's what God accepts as religion, can you tick religious at all? Is that what your religion looks like from day to day? Remember, nothing is hidden from God. This is not, this is not God's census, but God does not need to know the answers to these questions. But I think that we do for ourselves. They can bring us up with a start if we read them, as I'm suggesting we can this morning. So are you religious in the terms that James refers to? Do you speak God's words in your language? Do you look after people as much as you should for the number of hours that you should? Do you put the time and the effort in to being religious? We're going to sing together. This really is a prayer in response to those questions that we've just considered. Uh, I'm not aware that we sing this very often, but the first line came to me as I was considering what we would do this morning in response to this section. So this is, remember, a prayer. Verse 1. Lord, speak to me that I may speak in living echoes of thy tone. As thou hast sought, so let me seek thine erring children lost and lone. This is a prayer that we will act as Jesus acted in seeking people who are lost. And it goes through, uh, through the rest of the verses in the same sort of way. A prayer that God will be with us and will help us in our lives. So let's sing together. So as we uh, come towards the end of our service, let's think about question 15. This one might need a bit of thought next week for some people. How would you describe your national identity? There's a choice of English, Welsh, Scottish, Northern Irish, British or other. We are part of this country, we're part of this world, but we're also called to be different, not to fit in. And the reason is because we try to live our lives as we've just thought about. Displaying God's characteristics, following our Lord Jesus. So how do you describe your national identity? Would you say that you are a stranger? 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. We're going in in the middle of a, quite a famous chapter which lists lots of faithful people. And in verse 13, the writer says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So would you say that you are a stranger here? Because people who say that they are show that they are looking for a country of their own, a country that God has prepared for us. We all have work to do here, work for God, that he's prepared, works that he's prepared in advance for us to do. In our neighbourhood, in our workplaces, here at the Bethel and wherever else we may be. But we also look forward to that country of our own. God's prepared for us. God's future kingdom. And as you think about your national identity Perhaps you can bear that in mind. So I hope when you fill in your census form next week, first of all, don't put some of the answers I've suggested today because that might get you into trouble. It is a legal thing. It's important what you put. But think about some of the thoughts that I've suggested. There might be other questions in there which prick your conscience and make you think about your faith. I hope that it will be an encouragement to us as we fill that in and think about the answers. We're going to close by singing, after which Charles is going to pray for us. I felt that this song perhaps summed up some of what we've been saying this morning. Our desire to serve God now, to be transformed, to change our lives around to build in silver and gold with the people around us in our generation. But also looking forward, as we've just thought, to our own country, to the city that God has prepared, to the kingdom of God. We sing in verse 2, we want to see the kingdom of God, to give our lives, and we want to see the Lord come again. Father God, thank you again for this time we've been able to spend together, joined together as a family and sharing uh, praises of you, prayers to you, thoughts about you and remembrance of you and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we've been thinking about who we are and asking questions about what we do. And sometimes, Father, the simplest questions have the most searching and probing answers. Lord, help us to answer those questions in a way that brings us closer to you, that draws, draws us nearer to you and the Lord Jesus Christ, and closer to that kingdom which, which we pray will come soon. Amen.